Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is You're Invited In, or a series of mini-sows where we talk about things that are not necessarily on the main show. Former ones have been like Thanksgiving episodes, the Matt Davis is over party. Today, we're talking about something very close to our hearts that you've heard many times on the podcast before. Pretty Little Liars, baby. It's time to talk about my show. The mini-sodes are a great time for us to get more into detail on shows that are not The Vampire Diaries, because boy, do we have opinions. And we're not doing a full podcast on Pretty Little Liars because... That would be three days long. Yeah. But today we'll do some classic ranking of The Liars, The A's, and, you know, just some other Pretty Little Liars things that come up in conversation. Absolutely. Obviously, you know, if you listen to the main episode, we bring up Pretty Little Liars pretty often. But if that's not enough credentials, just so you guys know, our credentials on Pretty Little Liars, we watched it live from the beginning to the end, like week after week. We were seated for Pretty Little Liars every week. We were sitting down, tuning to Freeform, seeing the what's coming up, theorizing in real time, loving it. I have rewatched this show. I didn't do the math, but over five times, like I have what I would consider an encyclopedic knowledge of Pretty Little Liars. Like if you bring up a plot hole, I often have an explanation for it that you just forgot or that was really hidden in an episode. Yeah, I have watched it a couple times, not really all the way through. I've watched it once all the way through when it aired. And then I've, you know, rewatched pieces of it. I don't have as much an encyclopedic knowledge, but I do remember who all the A's are. And I do have, you know, a pretty good knowledge of it. Not like Stephanie, and that's okay. My encyclopedic knowledge is the Vampire Diaries. And that's okay. Grace even got me a cameo from Janelle Parrish, aka Mona, one Christmas, which I treasured dearly. Yes. This mini-sode and, you know, really anytime we talk about Pretty Little Liars, I think, will be full spoilers. Like, if you have not watched it, if you want to protect yourself from spoilers for this, stop listening, because I will say everything. That's a good point to say. This is a spoiler mini-sode. You're not going to be protected. It's been off the air for a long time. People aren't, like, posting Pretty Little Liars spoilers anywhere that you would find them if you don't want them, but you're going to get spoiled today if you haven't. Yeah, we may even spoil Original Sin. We are big Pretty Little Liars stands. We watched Pretty Little Liars Original Sin as well. Original Sin, here's what I'm going to say about Original Sin. I know it was really popular. Um, that show is ass to me. <laughs> it's not good. And look, I again, I love Pretty Little Liars. I will actually defend every single season of Pretty Little Liars. I think the only one you can say shit on is anything to do with Ravenswood. But you'll hear it through this episode. I'm an Alex Drake truther. I'm a stan. So I have a high level of reverence for this show. I have a high level of like, I will take a lot of shit. Original Sin was not good. This is really a Pretty Little Liars episode. I don't want to get too deep into Original Sin, but I can tell you exactly why it didn't work for me in two succinct reasons. Number one, those girls did not read as friends. They did not read as a group of friends who all like each other. And that is key to Pretty Little Liars. And I think that's key in the show. And the second reason is the reveal at the end was bad. It was lazy. It was sloppy. It was Heavy on the tropes with no real stuff to back up. Love Tabitha. Love Farron. Love Noah. Don't care for Imogen. Mouse, dud. They could have cut her completely. They just wanted to have a different number of liars. Complete dud. Actually, but you know who I also loved? Kelly, Karen, Beasley. Love twins. Yes, also stand. But they underused them. Yes, they very much did. Here's really the core issue, I think, with it. We know Original Sin was a reimagining of Pretty Little Liars with the Riverdale team. Yes, it was more Riverdale than it was Pretty Little Liars. Absolutely. 
And we can do a full episode breakdown of this that goes into all the details, but I think that really describes their issues with it. Yes. We watch Pretty Little Liars mainly as teenagers, which is why I think we liked it. But I think what holds up about Pretty Little Liars and the reason it has rewatchability is not just like the mystery thriller aspects of it, though those help. I think the character relationships, particularly among the core four, and the groundedness within a kind of odd premise is what makes this show work both of which were missing from Original Sin. But I do want to get us away from Original Sin and into Main Pretty Little Liars, which I bring that up, is that I think it really stands the test of time. And, you know, if you're watching it as an adult, I do think it's going to be a little goofier than if you were watching it as a teen. And particularly, there are some storylines that I think are harder to swallow as an adult. I'm just going to say Ezria right here. Yeah. But I think it is still a very enjoyable show, even as an adult. I think it's a great soapy drama, great twists and turns, and better acting than it needs and not vampire diaries level acting let's be honest and not really vampire diaries level writing either but that's a high bar i do think the character development and the character builds are very solid and i feel like unlike other shows like the archetypes that they fall into remain yes things they do are true to the character and i think one thing about pretty little liars that i respect is Although you can look at it and think like, why wouldn't they go to the police about this, blah, blah, blah. I think they do a pretty good job of like justifying why the stakes feel high enough to this group, why they wouldn't do what might seem like obvious choices. Yes. And I do think another great thing about the character growth on this show is they never escalate the characters to like caricatures, which is really hard to do on a teen show. I mean, we see it happening on Vampire Diaries too, is like amplifying one trait that is their trait. We don't really see that on Pretty Little Liars, except maybe with Jenna. But Jenna was always... Jenna was always goofy. Yeah. The only character I think that is almost caricature-y, and this is no fault of anyone, it's Alex Drake. (laughs) But here's the thing. I think a lesser actress would have made it much worse. Troy and Belisario makes it as grounded as physically possible. But at the end of the day, it is an evil twin in a Cockney accent. But I think the thing about this, I didn't read the books. I started reading the books. I never finished them. The books have an evil twin component that I think having Alex Drake was a fun nod to that. Yes, it was a worse storyline than the books. And yes, it was a little ridiculous. But I think they leaned into that ridiculousness. My only issue caricature wise, Mary Drake. Don't fuck with her. I almost said Mary Drake too, because I do think, and this is the problem with twins on a TV show, uh, particularly on a show that is evil twins, it's going to be the same actress in a wig. Yeah. There's only so much you can do to combat the baseline goofiness that provides. And it's more noticeable with Mary Drake because they literally put a wig on her and she's a worse actress than Troy and Belisario. We're setting the stage. I don't want to get ahead of, ourselves with the A's because I want to start by ranking our core four. Yes, Stephanie made an agenda for this episode to keep her on track. Because I will talk for hours. Don't get me started. No one did get you started. You got yourself started. Well, now I'm started. (laughs) And of course, the core four we're referring to are Aria, Spencer, Hannah, Emily. Now, I have a solid ranking. I don't know if you do. I think I do. You do your ranking first. I'll preface this by saying it has a a very unpopular opinion in it. I know what the opinion is. Get it out. Spit it out. Tell the people. My ranking, Hannah, Emily, Aria, Spencer. 
I know the bitches love Spencer. I'm not a Spencer Hastings stan. I'm not not a stan, but like I'm as much of a not stan as you can be with Spencer. So Hannah Uria, Emily Spencer? Hannah Emily Uria Spencer. It used to be Hannah Uria, but on rewatches, I like Emily more every time. Uria, I want to rank her higher because listeners, that's my bitch. Like I cannot explain to you the impact that watching Aria Montgomery on my TV screen to this day has on my fashion sense. And again, you have to remember, we watch this as teenagers. We watch this with impressionable brains. And I am a Lucy Hale stan more than I think almost anyone on this earth. Like, I actually don't think I know a bigger Lucy Hale stan. I don't even think Lucy Hale stands herself as much as you stan her. I watch everything she's in. Do I think she's the most amazing actress ever? No. Do I think she's always fun and always entertaining and very stunning? Yes. So I recognize that my that Arya being ranked above Spencer is a personal preference of just like being connected to Arya. But also I have some dislike for Spencer, which I can get into. Well, yeah, you're allowed to not like Spencer. I don't hold that against you. My ranking is very different than yours, actually. Although less different than it used to be. My first one is Hannah. Because your reaction to Arya's fashion sense was my reaction to Hannah's fashion sense. Mm-hmm. Hannah was my girl from the beginning. We were always Hannah and Arya girls. I relate to Hannah, parentheses fat, parentheses hefty. And... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hannah's number one easily. No one can say anything bad about Hannah. For me, after Hannah, it goes Spencer, Arya, Emily. Oh, interesting. I thought Arya would be last for you. No, I find, and this is through no fault of Shay Mitchell, who plays Emily. I find Emily boring. Not even boring. I want to say whiny, but not whiny. It's like, it's always fucking something with her. It's just... The issue with Emily, unfortunately, is after they give her Maya, they never give her another good girlfriend. Never. I think they do so many interesting things with Emily, particularly with relationships. I mean, number one, it's true that after Maya, like, we have to sit with Paige. Why would Emily date Paige when she's had Maya? And I think that... Emily Alley relationship is a tricky hill to climb. And I don't know that they climb it particularly well. Yeah. And it's not that I don't like Emily because I do like her as a character. I just find that I like the other characters more. That's what it comes down to in these rankings. I could see Emily and Aria switching um, those in those bottom two spots, depending on my mood. But mostly I find myself having more... If not standing, Arya, number one, I do think her fashion is more interesting than Emily's. I have to admit, that's a part of my ranking. Because I will say that Hannah is the fashion sense I think I have, but I also really love Spencer's fashion sense. And Arya, I appreciate. So Emily's fashion is the most boring. That's not, no one's going to dispute me on that. Come on. To be fair, Emily is probably the second most like me fashion sense, which is part of it, in the later seasons particularly. Because she wears leather jackets and cool graphic tees. Like, it's not interesting. But my point being, like, I find myself usually having a little bit more sympathy for Arya than I do for Emily, which maybe is weird. I just, I have a soft spot for Arya, I find. The reason Emily is ranked so high to me yeah, is because I think she has the most growth and strength against A that builds. Yes. So I think that's why on subsequent rewatches I like her more. And this is part of my issue with Spencer is that I think Spencer... Well, she handles a lot. Her storyline where she breaks down because she thinks she sees Toby dead. Like, not to be a bitch, but you need to get over yourself. Like, you need to get your fucking ass up. I think you also have to, you know, 
take into account this why that doesn't bother me as much though i do agree that like that storyline goes on a little long just from a writing perspective mm-hmm. i think that spencer comes at hardships a lot differently than the other girls because she was raised sort of with a silver spoon so i think that is true to the character that that would be world ending for her whereas mm-hmm. it wouldn't be world ending for the other girls but i also think that as has been said by many people Florian Belisario is a really fantastic actress. Yeah. And I think that probably the writers were like, well, we know Troyan can do this. So I think the writers gave Troyan a lot more to do with Spencer, which makes Spencer kind of, I don't know, hit with a lot more that is frustrating because they knew Troyan could handle it. Whereas like all love to Ashley Benson, Lucy Hale and Shay Mitchell, none of them could have done that storyline. They give Troyan more because they know she can take it on. That's very true. And I think part of that is what ends up with, I consider Spencer being really one of the main characters by the end, the way they treat her, particularly that last season. The Silver Spoon argument is interesting. I think it does, her life is very difficult. She goes through all sorts of bullshit and her family is a mess. But it's difficult in a much different way than the other girls. And I think I would argue that Spencer is the protagonist of the entire show. I think they definitely lean into that by the end. And I think it builds in for sure. Cause she was always the, she was the only opposition to Allie before her quote unquote death. And also I just think that when you look at like the way that the De Laurentiis family and the Drake family and the Hastings family all tie together, like the way that the show lays itself out is Spencer Hastings story. But I think A is a much more meaningful inciting incident to Spencer than it is to the other girls. Because A's secrets with the other girls are immediately like, there's already things in their lives that are like life-damaging secrets. Or his father's affair. Emily is a lesbian. Hannah's mother stealing money. Or, you know, whatever she did with uh, Wilton. But Spencer's start out a lot slower. It starts out like you hooked up with your sister's fiance. You stole an essay from your sister. Yeah, and it's a lot of like really close to home, like, You can blame it on the family relationships, but it becomes much larger. To me, that makes Spencer very compelling. I I think Troyan acting it is helpful, but I also think that I find myself rooting for Spencer's success. This is the other thing that I stand about Spencer. She's one of the smartest of the girls. They all get outsmarted by AA, but Spencer does a lot of the heavy lifting. She does, and I think that's part of her her breakdown. Emily's the most tortured, for sure. Like, A is the hardest on Emily, I think. For a time, until Emily gets stronger, which is Mona's argument for that. One of my issues with Spencer is I find her hypocritical in certain instances. In what way? When they think Melissa's A, which by the way, Melissa is giving A for a lot of stuff. Yes, they're right to think that. She's so like, we can't think that. We can't think that. The second they think Arya's dad is A, she's like, we should call the cops. And it's like, Spencer, well, I'm not going to blame her for it because frankly- there is more evidence for her dad and she's willing to turn on her own dad as well. But And let's not act like Byron to Melissa is a one-to-one comparison. Byron is a plague. He is <laughs> awful. Like, you know, I don't care for Byron, but I think it's so funny because the guy who plays Byron is like an executive producer. Like he's making himself do this bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I do agree that I think Spencer... When she decides someone is A, when she decides she has the evidence, she's like, well, it's right. 
But whenever anyone else does that, she's like, how do you know that? And I think that's Spencer's character and it's a control freak thing. And so I, and I relate to Spencer in that way. So I have a little bit more sympathy for her, but I also understand what there is not to like about Spencer. Like, don't get me wrong, but that's what I also think is really great about this show is that again, these characters are really well-rounded. They started with these archetypes, but they make them really well-rounded and they make them make perfect sense as friends. Oh yeah, they all read as friends and I think they do a good job of connecting them as a group of four, but also connecting pairs of them together. Like I think the Emily-Hannah friendship is so rich. I think one of the fun things about Spencer being so smart is watching her interact with Mona once it's like reveals that Mona has actually been a genius this whole time. And like, yeah, Spencer's like, how do you be a person who's more than just being smart? I think they do some very interesting things with all of them. You get the sense that like if you put any combination of these four in a pair, you could see them like hanging out by themselves. Yeah. And I think that's something that's tricky on shows with groups of friends, even like the show Friends. There's some people like you don't hang out one on one like Ross and Phoebe don't hang out. Yeah. And that's OK. But you get the sense that like they all hang out one on one or hang out in groups of three or hang out in all four. You get the sense that they are that close. Yeah. And I think that helps the cast chemistry. And again, the ranking, putting someone in fourth place doesn't mean I don't stand because there's plenty of people to not stand on this show. But I'm standing all these girls. And I do want to bring up, you know, we have our core, but in many ways you could put Allie and Mona in this group. Yes. And I'm curious if your ranking changes with those two. I think it does, but not as much as you would think. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a tricky question. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked it. Once Allie has come back to life, so we're looking at a live alley in the present day. The ranking would be Hannah, Spencer, Mona, Aria, Emily, Alley. Yeah. If we're looking at pre-death alley, we're going Hannah, Spencer, Mona, Alley, Aria, Emily. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, and this is one of my complaints about the show. Allie comes back and she's all of a sudden nice and she's grown. Yeah. If a girl is that heinous of a bitch, yeah. even if she thinks she was going to be killed for it, coming back to life does not make her a saint. Yeah. I wish that we could have seen how the dynamic changed with Allie wanting to be the leader of the group. And they try to do it a little bit. I think they weren't sure what to do with Allie when she came back. Number one, because when they cast Sasha Peter, she was what, 12? Yeah, she was really young. By the time she came back and she was older, I think she was a different type. And this is not fair. Mm -hmm. She gained weight. And I think they didn't know how to react to that. I do think that's the case as well. And I don't agree with that. And she was bullied so hard for it. Yes. And I, and that is so wrong. But I, I think that made them not want to make her be mean. I just think they didn't know what to do with Ali's character. And when she's been dead this whole time and you bring her back, she needs to have an impact. And I don't know that she did. One of the golden ages of this show is the part where they do think Allie's A. And I understand why they didn't end with that. But I think that would have been like, I think that was really interesting of like, she came back and like, we have all grown into our own people. When she was our friend, she didn't want us to be our own people. And that like manipulation, I think could have been really interesting to explore in a serious way. Yeah, I really think Allie being A, at least one of the even smaller A's, would have been interesting because she has a motivation for it, particularly like maybe after Mona's discovered. Mm -hmm. I think that that's when Allie could pick it up because she's still dead. She wants to control these girls. They figured out Mona. They're not going to figure out Allie. 
Yeah. And Mona tried to take over her friend group. I think they lost a little bit of the plot with Allie. And so that frustrates me about her. So that's why the ranking changes. Does your ranking change? Barely, because I am kind of an Allie hater. Like, she's obviously one of them, but she's kind of not in my mind. Well, ultimately, the core four are the core four. And unfortunately, like, Mona and Allie are never going to be in that group. Yeah. They didn't experience as much. Like, all of Timona, she helps them out later. But she did kind of start this whole shit. See, and here's my thing. I'm such a Mona stan that I think Mona doesn't deserve a place with the core four, but if it were to become a core five, I think Mona should get that slot. Yes, like if if we're going to let in either Mona or Allie, it should be Mona because Mona was also bullied by Allie. I'm more willing to accept calling Mona one of the liars. Yeah. But I still think like she's not in the fucking group. She's not in the group and she knows it and it hurts her. You were A. (laughs) Yeah, like you were A. You did hit Hannah with a car. We're all past it. We're all over it, but- we're not letting you in the fucking group. But I do think my ranking overall stays the same. It is still Hannah, Emily, Uria, Mona, Spencer, Allie. Mona could go above Uria if I'm in the right mood. Yeah. I'm a Mona lover. Yeah. I think the character of Allie, when she's mean and manipulative and blackmailing, and she's like a terror to all these adults in town. Like, she's not just terrorizing the high school students. She's blackmailing multiple adults. Like, she has a business going. And the adults are scared of her. Like, she's blackmailing them, and it's working. Like, her yellow top night, she had, like, eight people trying to kill her that she was blackmailing. Like, that is a bitch. (laughs) I find that character so interesting, and I do think that character is hard to ground in reality. And that's why when she came in, they had to change some of it. So she comes back and she's like, I really want to be best friends with you guys again. It's like, that doesn't, that doesn't jive with me. The alley we know would be like, I can't believe you all bonded without me. And you didn't even fucking care if I'm alive. You're all obsessed with someone bullying you. Like you didn't hunt me down. Like, I think there's a lot of interest, like particularly when they come back from New York and they all think they are going with one story and Allie breaks, breaks rank. And I think those yes. kind of moments where we see Allie as an unreliable narrator, an unreliable person, I think are where it really shines. Yeah, and that's what I think that storyline is a great example of like Allie thinks she's still the leader. Yeah, even though she's been gone and things have happened and changed. I think that they saw that Allie was kind of becoming a favorite because she was so heinous. And so I think they wanted to like write her in permanently and they thought a redemption arc was the best way to do that. But like she was popular because she was so heinous i see the vision like i get what they were doing whether subconsciously or consciously i think the fact that she gained weight made them like well she can't be mean she's fat now which is wrong yeah i do think that played a role for sure in the writing because like i guess we got to put her in cardigans now someone in cardigans can't be a bitch oh and they never knew what to do with her style either they always put her in a high-low skirt in florals in like a blue cotton moto style jacket like they did not dress her well and that was not her fault honestly if you're not going to do anything with her like you have to use her to raise the stakes in which case kill her i I think that could have been interesting all love to to sasha peters none of this is sasha peters fault i think it's the writers not knowing what to do yeah but i can't in good faith rank her very high over the course of the whole show as we continue our ranking let's move to a's now i have the core a's listed as Mona, Shauna, Cece, and Alex Drake. 
Now my ranking, I'm not including Shauna. Well, I was going to say, I wouldn't even really count Shauna as full A. I don't really count her as full A. She was like a minion of Cece. They do a reveal almost like she's A, which is why I put her in this list, because I think some people may consider her an A, but she's basically a minion of Cece. I don't really consider her a true A. I consider her a member of the A team. I don't think she made any moves by herself except getting pushed into an orchestra pit and dying. Yeah. Which I'm not counting that as a move. You got killed by Aria? She's like five feet tall. Yeah. I put her in the list because Escape from New York feels like an A reveal. Yeah, Escape from New York. Escape. Escape, capital A. But I don't consider her an A, but I just brought her up because they kind of used her that way. But I don't include her in my ranking because if I did, she'd be last place. Yeah, no point including her. So my ranking, this is such a hard ranking because I think Mona, Cece, Alex Drake all have such interesting A things. I do think I have to go Mona, Cece, Alex, but Alex and Cece are very, very close to me. And I'll tell you why. It's the board game. That's an interesting ranking. What do you mean by it's the board game? The board game that AD makes in the last season where it becomes like the whole town is a dollhouse, essentially. I think that is such a profound form of psychological torture. And they also just like raise the stakes with Alex Drake as having so much, so much money. But I do think like it's hard to beat the dollhouse, but I think the board game is such a fun last season. And there are so many teen drama seasons that wouldn't have something that cool in the last season that I think it's fun that they pull off. Like I'm an Alex Drake truther. So can I ask you this? Mm -hmm. You know, you just spoke so highly of Alex Drake, who is ranked third. And you gave a little bit of shout out to Cece, who's ranked second. Why is Mona first then? I think she sets the foundation for the other A's. And I think she does such a good job of like building stakes for them because I think Mona has the least to work with. Cece and Alex both lean on violence a little more like I think Mona as a purely psychological mean girl teenage a like I think that power makes her the most interesting a to me that is so interesting you want to hear my ranking I would love to hear your ranking it's gotta go CC Mona Alex and honestly I almost put Mona last and let me tell you why the same reasons that you say Mona is the best a is I think the reason she's the worst my rankings here come down to one crucial factor, and that is motivation. Why did this person become A? What did they stand to gain? What did they stand to prove? Then how did they go about getting that? To me, Cece's motivation makes the most sense to me, and she was playing a long game. Yeah, Mona, although she's so fun, and I mean, the show's not the show without Mona as A. Mona's motivation is high school bullying, and because of that, I also think she actually had an easier hill to climb because anything she did is going to be catastrophic to these girls because they have no floor. Whereas like Cece had to up the ante when she was planning like a lifelong assault on these people. And Mona comes in and does this stupid bullying thing. Now she has to build a dollhouse and she has to build a room for Mona too. And I think Alex Drake to me, like I get the storyline like, oh, Spencer got adopted and had the life I needed. It's a little bit grow up. So I feel like Alex's motivation is the most inconsequential. And to me, that makes the least sense because like Cece and Mona, to me, I see why they're bullying this group. Yeah. Because for Mona, it's a group that she was kicked out of. For Cece, it's a life she never got to have. 
Alex just wants to fuck with Spencer. Now, why is Hannah in it? So that's like, that's <laughs> my thing about Alex Drake that is hard for me is like, you didn't have to be A to do this. Like Cece and Mona both had to be A to get this point across. It's an alley-based thing. Alex Drake just hopped on something that wasn't her thing to hop on. And she went by AD, I know, so she's not really going by A, but she's copying the playbook of people with a very different, like, goal. And so to me, her goal just doesn't, it doesn't stack up to the other two. I understand that, but you're forgetting a crucial goal from Alex Drake. Oh, am I? She is convinced that these girls killed Cece. And she is, like, close friends with Cece. Right. I wasn't thinking about motivation in my rankings. And I think Cece's motivation is by far the most interesting. And I know there are discussions over like the trans thing. Was it problematic? I thought the trans thing was cool. Well, I mean, I think the trans thing is problematic. But at the same time, I think you have to view this show as a soap opera for it to work. Yes. And I think when you view this show through the lens of a soap opera, the evil twins, that kind of stuff isn't as ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, I also think that if this show were made like 10 years earlier, the trans thing wouldn't have been as offensive, but it ages worse and worse because of things outside of their control. But it is a soap opera trope that I get why they did it and they needed a twist. And also too many people were guessing CC Drake. Well, and I think one of the reasons they did it, I don't think they knew who the second A was when they started writing it. Yes, they didn't. And so they had moved pronouns a few times so I think this was a way to just blanket explain that yeah to say like anytime we've said a pronoun it's it's the right one yeah so I think that was just a little bit foolish but I think that the intent was not to make some statement about this person being trans but it was an unfortunate consequence they wanted to do a soap opera trope I think they wanted a reasoning why she was disowned by her family and I think they do some interesting stuff with Bethany Young and like the diagnoses at Radley and things like that that lead to Cece's, you know, lifetime in Radley, which like was never good for any of them. But I I do think Cece's motivation is the most interesting. And like she makes some crazy moves and she evades discovery for a long time until she wants to be discovered. She's clearly the most savvy, eh? Yeah. That I think is why I rank Alex Drake last because I do think that like the hating of the Alex Drake reveal is a little bit unnecessary because again, you're watching a soap opera. Like, I'm sorry that you thought the evil twin was cheesy, but honestly, what did you think was going to happen? But I do think that like, even if Alex Drake thinks these girls killed Cece, she killed Ren. It does not make sense for her to build a board game to torture these people. It makes sense for her to kill them. And I'm not saying that would be an interesting show. Obviously, it's much more interesting if she's an A. But it doesn't make sense that she would react to this life the way that Cece and Mona did. Cece and Mona's reactions are very in keeping with their characters and their motivations. Alex Drake just seemed like we need another A. So that's why Alex Drake did this. I don't know why Alex Drake would build that board game. Well, and I'll say the justification they use. Please tell me. The board game is still when they don't know who killed Cece. So this is her way of like, you know, there's some other stuff with it, but it's her way of bringing them down and keeping them in Rosewood and finding out if they killed Cece. Now, after they find out who killed Cece or Charlotte by the time, you know, that happens, she still does do stuff. The justification they give her is that she gets, quote unquote, addicted to the game. She gets addicted to controlling people in that way, which 
I think is dumb, but they give her justification because she got so close with CC Charlotte. Sure. And that, you know, CC rubbed off on her is their justification. Like, I hear that justification, but I do think like the show justifies it. Sure. Where that gets me is like Mona and Cece's inciting incidents for becoming what they become are like deep in their childhood psyche. Alex Drake is a full adult. <laughs> like, I don't think it makes sense for a full adult to learn about this, no matter how angry you are. Like she doesn't, who has the fucking time? She does have the time. All she is is a bartender. <laughs> I'm just saying as much as the show tries to justify it, I just don't think that rings true enough, especially when you compare it to Cece and Mona. I just think she's a supreme hater. Well, absolutely. But I don't think being a supreme hater is enough because everyone on this show is a supreme hater of Allie from season one. I think there is a level of that childhood. And I'm not saying this is perfect, but I am going to defend Alex Drake stuff because I think it's fun storylines. There is a level of childhood stuff. Like, yes, she doesn't figure out she's adopted until way later. And the adoption thing, it is kind of grow up. And I don't really like birth mother storylines anyway. Yeah. But that she looks exactly like Spencer. She found out about it from this guy who's like in love with Spencer and is now with her. And that, you know, she builds this like kind of found family. But even with that, Spencer still has her claws in Ren in some way is how she views it. Well, that's a that's a Ren issue. (laughs) It is a Ren issue. Take it up with Ren. And don't get me wrong. Ren gets what's coming to him when he gets that damn necklace. Yeah. I don't think it's as strong of a motivation or as interesting, but I do think there is like some of that psyche. It's more ridiculous to be sure. Again, it's all a little bit grow up because I do think that like it must suck to realize that like you're an identical twin and your twin lives like in a rich house in Pennsylvania and has like a loving family, although I guess she doesn't. You have to remember Alex Drake beyond ending up in a poor family she was given to a rich family. They left her at the footstep of an orphanage. I hear that. But why are you mad at Spencer for that? That's just bad luck. But then Alice Drake ends up, she's got money. She's got found family. And I get that she's upset about the Ren thing. You dated a guy who was obsessed with your long lost twin sister. Mama, look inward. That's the whole thing is the found family gets taken away when Cece dies. Okay. Find a found family that isn't related to your long lost twin then. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Or- Extort Peter Hastings for money. Like, I don't know why we're doing all this. Like, uh, again, Mona, Cece, like, I understand why Mona did all she did. And also, Mona didn't do anything crazy like the dollhouse. Cece, I understand why she did the dollhouse. That bitch was crazy. And I love the board game. I want to make that totally clear. Mm -hmm. The board game, I'm obsessed with. I don't know why Alex built it. Like, I just feel like that is not the reaction to that very grounded heartbreak that she had. I think the idea is that she's driven by Cece in a way. I think the better justification would be if Cece made that board game and Alex like just carried it out. But that's not what we get. And I think that's what's hard about Alex for me. And don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge hater of the Alex Drake storyline. I think it's fun. We end with an evil twin. I think it's a great ending to the show. But if we're ranking A's, which is what we're in the business of doing right now, Alex Drake is far and away third place. When you compare her to Cece and Mona. That is true. That is true. That's my argument. I don't want you to think that I hate Alex Drake. Well, you certainly sound like it. But when we're ranking A's, she's just not in the league that Mona and Cece are. She's just not. You're being blinded by the board game. I am. I think you have to think of Alex Drake as something different. You can't take her as seriously as Mona and Cece. And if you open yourself up to know it's dumb, 
then you can appreciate. Here's the problem is I think you need to take her more seriously because the A's have to raise the stakes from the last A. And so I think she does raise the stakes. So I think you need to justify why those stakes are being raised in that way. And I'm not sure the show does. I can accept that it's just like a dumb, silly thing. And I love watching the last season, trying to figure out who's Spencer, who's Alex. Like, I think it's a really fun way to close out. I just feel like for it to be the last season, and this is that, you know, they refer to her as Uber A for a while. Mm -hmm. I want her to be more than an offshoot of Cece. See, my thing, they did two very strong A reveals. And so I think the fact that they even had like a fun one last like, I'm happy they didn't completely fall on their face, which some might argue they did. I was going to say. <laughs> I think the fact that they pull off something like goofy, but still fun and like a fun reveal. And I do think part of the issues of Alex Drake is that she's dragged down by Mary Drake and Spencer's antics with her. Okay. I do think she's last, but I do like to defend her her place. I think you focus very heavily on motivation, which makes sense, but that's not really what I focus on in these minds. Yeah. I focus on their activities. I think you're right that it's great that they even got anything fun out for the last one when they only did two great ones. Yeah. But you asked me to rank them. I put her in third place. I also put her in third place. Yeah. Since when are you such an Alex Drake defender? I've always been an Alex Drake defender. I said it at the top. It's just interesting because you put her in third place. I put her in third place. There's nowhere lower for her to go. Like I I put her in the top three. (laughs) But you also put her in last place. Like, I'm not going to say she's higher than third place. I know. I I just, I know people hate her and I feel the need to defend that storyline because I have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. But if you're going to call someone Uber A, you want them to be the best. Here's the thing, to play devil's advocate here. Who works as Uber A after Cece? I think to raise the stakes above Cece, they needed to do one of three things. Option one, Jenna. Jenna is a longtime villain. I think if we have her at the top of it, it raises the stakes because she's been there the whole time. I don't think that works for a couple different reasons, but I think they could have made it work. Number two, someone who is really close to the girls. And by that, I mean Caleb, Ezra, someone really taught being a beret, someone really close to them, a parent even. Or one of the girls, we all know the popular theory, they needed to make it Aria or Spencer. So I think that's how they raise the stakes from Cece. And I see how they got Evil Twin. I think that works really well. And it pulls in the books. But I think if they want to raise the stakes from CC, that's what they need to do. The other one I think that could have been interesting because of their long history of being ACAB is have someone like Linda Tanner be A. That raises the same problem that I have with Alex Drake. Is like, you're an adult woman with a full-time job. Why are you doing that? People are crazy. Like, if it's going to be a cop, it has to be like a Wilton or Garrett it needs to be like a cop who is intrinsically part of the community, which is why Linda Tanner doesn't work. Well, she is part of the community by that point, essentially. Well, yes, but no, I want someone who has grown up with these people. I think it needs to have that history to have the same effect to raise the stakes from CC. But I think that's hard to do without like manufacturing a history. Yeah. Because we've watched all these same people for seasons. They're like what they pick that one cop that's always there. Yeah. No, I'm not saying they pick one cop. I do think one of the girls would have been a good reveal, but I don't know. I think because they build it as a friendship, I don't think they can. And I think Jenna just has never given leader. I think if it's going to be one of the main girls, the best thing they can do is make it Allie. I agree with that. Because then I think the friendship aspect is not hurt. Yeah. I do want to talk about who we thought was A while we were watching. 
And I find it interesting that you bring up Jenna because I want to say the whole first two seasons, I was like, that bitch is not blind. Yeah. I always thought she could see. I always thought that too. I'm trying to think who I even thought was A. One thing about me, this is true about mystery stuff in general. I don't spend time pondering who's who. I'm just along for the ride usually. I really didn't have that many suspects watching because, you know, they go up and down a lot. So I'm kind of like on the path with them. And I did at one point, I think because watching this in real time, like two seasons to get to Mona felt like so long. Yes. And I did at one point search like who is A in the books? Because I'm like, they might not do the same one. And I think Mona is an A in the books. But I read that and I was like, mm, that's not happening. She's she's Anna's best friend. <laughs> I will say when Cece was introduced, I was like, she's giving A for sure. I think we all thought that. Yeah. I was always suspicious of Cece. And to the point that when like, you know, Cece was revealed, everyone's like, yeah. But yeah, I always, Cece was someone that I was like, she's definitely doing something. Especially they give her some suspicious things. Like at one point she like says her car broke down, but then they have a shot of her in her car. Yeah. And then at another point, like, Aya meets one of her old roommates who's like, yeah, she always hated you guys. Like, But then they, like, ignore that because we go into the Ezra is a storyline. Which I will say, I mean, there was actually nothing gaggier in my teen life than, like, when it they made us think that Ezra was A. I want to talk to some of our favorite suspects through the show. Like, even if I'm not thinking someone is A, like, if they present a suspect to me, I'm going to enjoy it. And, like, that Ezra shot of him turning around, gaggy. The one of Toby turning around had people like screaming. Gaggy. Because like Ezra, though I'm an Ezra stan, like there is something inherently evil about him hooking up with an underage girl. Toby was always like this paragon of purity. And when he turned around, it was like, what? But I do remember when, and I mean, maybe this was me being in denial. I remember when Toby turned around, I was like, no. No, he would only do that to help Spencer. Yeah. I was like, he's not on the A team. He's not. Like, maybe I was in denial, but I was right. Um, And when Ezra turned around, I was gagged, but I was like, yeah. And I think also with Ezra, they had built up a bunch of, like, clues. Because Toby turning around, like, he was talking to Mona. You can talk yourself out of that. Ezra, why are you walking into an apartment with full-size, like, wall-size photos of Allie all over it? And, like... That's type of computers. You're a writer. You're not a fucking computer scientist. Yeah, I mean, and I will say like that whole reveal, even though Ezra turned out not to be A, the fact that A, he also dated another underage girl and B, decided to write a book about her and C, the whole thing about Ezria, it's easier as a teenager, harder as an adult. You're able to look past the inappropriate relationship because he didn't know she was a teenage. He met her. Well, and they're like so in love. Yes, but- then when you get that storyline, it's like, oh, not only did he know she was a teenager, he knew exactly who she was and what her age was. So then it makes that whole thing creepier. That is the main issue I have with that storyline is like, oh, so you knew who Aria was. You knew she was 15 years old. It's creepy. I just ignore it personally. Yeah, I, I do just ignore it. I will say I love the suspects who would be like two episode long suspects that they would just play dramatic music when they did anything like um, Spencer's friend Moose. Was that his name? The blonde guy, the tutor with the glasses. Is his name not Moose? Andrew Campbell. <laughs> Where are you getting Moose? I think Moose is a character on Riverdale. He is. Anyway, to him, Andrew Campbell. <laughs> and then also, my other favorite always, you know who I'm always going to stand? Mama, that's Lucas. I love Lucas. 
Lucas is my favorite example of like the two episode ones with the creepy music because they go to like a party at Spencer's lake house and he comes up into the attic while Spencer's up there and he's like oh hey I'm looking for like nails and, and a toolbox to hang the banner and she's like how did you know they were up here he's like I don't know it's the attic but there's all this creepy music and it's like this is a normal conversation but what I love about Lucas as a suspect again he's got that motivation like, he would be right to want Allie dead. He would. When, when he, like, destroys Allie's memorial, Hannah's like, yeah. Fair enough. That's fair. I also, I love me some Noel Kahn. One of my favorite clips is, it's they're doing a lock-in at the school. And, like, Noel Kahn and Jenna are sitting in a room talking. And Arya comes in, and I don't remember what they say to her. She comes in, and she's like, have you guys seen Caleb? And they're like, maybe he's missing. And she's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> She's like, okay, well, I'm going to go. I love Noel Khan as a suspect because they used him every single time. And he, like, I know he was part of the A team where he knew about shit, but he was never A. But every time it's A, they're like, maybe it's Noel this time. And he had one of the funniest deaths. Incredible death. One of my favorite suspects is when they thought it was Jessica De Laurentiis. That is so funny. Because low-key, it made sense because that woman was evil. Yeah. But then when they go to New York and A, like, hops between buildings, they're like, that's not Jessica De Laurentiis. I love any time they had a suspect who was a full-grown adult. Yeah. Because it's like, I get it. Like, Melissa, that's a good suspect. Or Wilden, because they are immature and they have their own reasons, like Ian, too. Why are we out here suspecting Peter Hastings? He's busy. Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> He's a full lawyer. Like, that's the thing. That's what's hard about the adult suspects is, like, they have jobs and bills to pay. Like, they don't have time for this. Specifically Ezra. <laughs> because when we get to all that, it's like, he's been caring for a kid for the last year. Like, who's not his, mind you. I think Ian as a suspect is a lot of fun because he is creepy. He's creepy as fuck. Those are the best suspects are the ones that it's like, okay, you're not A, but you're certainly weird. Yeah, but you're certainly not a good person. You're certainly way too involved with these girls for it to be normal. Well, one thing that I think is fun, there are certain, like, reveals that I think about a lot. They reveal later, like, Allie's the one who killed Ian. Like, she came out of hiding to push him out of the belt tower. And she was right for that. <laughs> she said, I might not never get this chance again. I'm trying to think if there's any other people that I think are funny as suspects. I mean, Jenna was another one that, like, she was always a suspect, but she was just a hater. Like, which, don't be wrong, she was right to be a hater. They did blind her. Yeah, and what's crazy about Jenna is I think that's a great inciting incident because that is just serious enough that, like, yeah, they would want to hide that. But also, like, when you look at it in retrospect, it's like, we should have just said that was all Allie. Yes. And that we kept it a secret because she's dead. Like, what's she going to do? And it was mostly Allie. <laughs> It was actually all Allie. Allie just was like, we all have to keep this a secret because we're best friends. It's like, mm, you threw the stink bomb, bitch. Yeah, like, ooh, I don't think I need to be your friend anymore. <laughs> I don't think I should hang out with you. <laughs> I do also love the brief part when, like, Mike is a suspect. That's <laughs> funny. But he's just, like, holding on to Mona's blood because he loves her so much. Fucking weirdo. Mike's weirdo. I love Mike and Mona. <laughs> That's a match made in heaven. That's a cute couple. I mean, I love Mona. Well, I love that Mona continues to be a suspect even when she's not A, because let's be honest, she keeps working with them for some time. Well, also, once you've been an A and now you're out in the world, you have to consider that she could start it up again. Like, you can't in good conscience not suspect that. 
because she also comes back to school and she's like, I'm not allowed to have a phone. And it's like, I'm sure you have one though. Like, I'm sure you found a way around that. Another theory we haven't brought up yet that I do love, Jason DeLaurentis. Yeah. Great theory. He certainly had reasons to kill Allie. That's the thing that I think is really interesting when they're in the phase of like who killed Allie because so many people want her dead. Yeah. And like for different reasons, like it's all her to track. And then I, I will bring up some of the big fan theories that people thought about. I mean, you already touched on the earlier one, which I was not aware of when I was watching. I think I was aware of it. I think, like I said, I do think the natural raise of the stakes after Cece was to have someone so close to the group. And in essence, one of the four would be a gag. I do think that because this show is so dependent on the chemistry between the four of them, and because it's the Gossip Girl problem, right? That for anyone in that group of four to do it, you have to explain away how much shit hurt them too. Or like them reacting to a text they had to send. So I don't think that works. But I do think it would be gaggy. I do think the theory, you know, the thing that tries to explain that away is that Arya has like split personality disorder and that's why she doesn't know. What I love about this fan theory is there are fans who to this day are like, that didn't happen because we were, everyone was guessing it too much. We were too hot on the trail. (laughs) It's like, I don't think that's true. I love that they're that confident in that theory, but I I do think of the girls too, it would make the most sense for it to be Arya. Like if we're picking one. I agree. Because they set Arya up through the whole show as like the one who's best at lying to her friends. Like, I think that could have been some fun stuff. I would be more willing to believe if the writers had that and changed it, rather than them changing it because the fans guessed it, I'd be more willing to believe they changed it because they saw the backlash to the trans thing. And they're like, we can't co-opt a mental illness. Abandon it. Yeah, we, we got to go safe with the evil twin. We got to go evil twin. <laughs> I think they do go a little tongue in cheek with it at the end too, when Arya like kind of joins the A-team. And so I think they kind of want to give a nod to it. Yeah, I think the problems that would cause negate the gagginess of the theory. Yeah. And it's one of those things that if it had been done well, it would have been amazing. But if they had made a single misstep, everyone would have hated it. And let's be honest, they would have made at least one misstep. I just think it would be too hard to explain away. I I just don't think they would have been able to do it in a way that made any sense. Let me just also say this. I don't know that Lucy Hale could act that. And I think that's fair. And I think that's probably, if they were considering it, they're like, hey, Lucy, can you show us like what crazy Aria might look like? And they were like, abort, abort, it's bad, it's bad. And I think, frankly, if they brought it up to Lucy Hale, she probably was like, I don't really think I'm capable of that. Yeah, Lucy Hale knows her limitations. Lucy Hale is very aware of her her skills. And I think they would consider doing it to Troyan because they already gave her like a mental breakdown. But I think Troyan was like, you need to calm down. I'm doing too much. And they said, can you do a British accent? She said, fine. Sure, why not? That I can handle. And then I want to just end on a favorite, a text or activity that sticks out in your mind. You're going to make so much fun of me when I tell you what my first thought was. No. It was the board game. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, I just talked all about the board game. I'm not even mentioning that. I'm sorry. Look, take away like the A's from it. The board game is so unbelievably gaggy. Yeah. Like, it's so iconic. It's It had me out here defending Alex Drake. 
exactly. <laughs> After I talk so much shit on Alex Drake, I'm like, that boy game rocked. <laughs> I mean, because you do have to give a shout out to the dollhouse, but it's almost too obvious. Well, the dollhouse is like so good that it's like, you don't even have to say it. It's obviously high ranked, obviously. Yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> Beethoven was a good composer. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite goofy ones is when Mona, like Emily is eating like little alphabet cereal in the cafeteria and Mona has somehow changed it with all A's. I love that one because how the fuck did she do that? That must have taken so much time and she would have had to do it for like all of the soup. Yeah, it's so funny. I also love, this is an early one, when Mona makes Hannah eat all those cupcakes that are decorated like pigs. It's so mean. That is just so dastardly. It's like so low stakes, but high stakes. Yeah. And that's Mona's A-Rain bread and butter. Yeah, she knows how to psychologically get them. I'm rewatching, and I was just watching when Cece made Spencer kidnap Ezra's kid. Yes, that was insane. That's insane. But Arya, like, didn't call the police. Like, I understand them not calling the police in most cases. In that case, call the police. The kid got kidnapped. Yeah. I do love when Allie goes to jail, and they're all like, we did it. We took down A. And Cece has, like, a firework show spelling out A. And they're like, maybe she set this up before she went in. I do love, like, any time that A, like, takes a step back for a while and then sends a text, like, just to make them feel safe, that's good stuff. It really freaks them out. One of my other favorite A activities, this is also a Mona original, is when they're doing that fashion show that's meant to be, like, a tribute to Allie, and Mona has made a video that's like, ah, this bitch, I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> girls are on stage, and was like, I guess they did it. Yeah, the girls are on stage in Allie's dresses. Like, it's so... Like, Mona really gets to the core of, like, the feelings of it. Cece just does some truly insane shit. Like, she gives them human teeth, making them assume it's Allie's, because she steals the body. Yeah. And then another Cece classic. They think that Hannah's mom has killed Wilden. Cece did it. But they push Wilden's car into the lake. And then they come out after, like, a lodge has burned down. And Wilden's car is in the, like, town square, covered in, like, algae and stuff. And they open the trunk. And it's, like, a season cliffhanger. We don't know what's in the trunk. And it's fully a dead pig. Like, Cece said a cab. Well, yeah, that's what's so funny is, like, and again, this is my thing. Like, Cece had so much time on her hands. Yeah. And she made use of that time. What's so funny about Mona is, like, Mona didn't set out for anybody to die. Mona just wanted to bully these girls. Yeah. Cece killed people. <laughs> yeah, Cece was actively a murderer. Alex Drake turned Ren into a necklace. Yeah. Like, <laughs> which, again, exactly the death he deserved. That dude sucks. I mean, look, Ren, <laughs> I mean, this show has a long history of having older men thirst after teenage girls. Like, in every case, almost no one dates someone age appropriate. Yeah. The age appropriate men are the exception, not the rule. Thank you, Caleb and Toby. But Ren is like the most diabolical because even at least, like, just liked young girls, which I'm, I don't want to say just, but like, Ian liked teenage girls. Okay. Ren went so far as to find Spencer's evil twin. Because he wanted Spencer that bad. You're that obsessed with the teen girl. You're a doctor. Get a fucking hobby. He's engaged to her sister. He's immediately in love with Spencer. And over like years, he's like still obsessed with her. He drives her like three hours out of town just so she can beat Mona's ass before the academic decathlon. Like 
He is insane. He is full insane, as cute as he may be. Well, that brings us to the end of this Pretty Little Liars discussion. We're happy to do more if people are interested. Let us know what you're interested in from Pretty Little Liars. I can chat, chat, chat. And let us know if you guys have other mini-sode suggestions. We have a little list of ones that we're going to dole out over time. But if you guys have requests, let us know. As always, you can find us on, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us five stars rating review. Follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. And with that, kisses. S. Kisses. G. Because two can keep a secret if one of them is dead.